it's Marnie, Moxie with Marnie again. And we have a new guest today, Stephanie Ingle. Am I saying that right? Engel, mm-hmm. Ingle, Ingle. Um, and she is our youth group leader here at Our Saviors in Naperville. Um, but I'm, I'm going to go on a tangent first. Um, I'm coming from a space this morning where I have two junior high girls. And there's been lots of uh, gun scares lately, last week. And it's all these rumors from kids and then kids have phones and then social media and then parents get on it um, and it runs rampant. Um, And I have two kids that react very differently. So I'm jumping into this moment to ask you before we know anything else besides your name, Stephanie, how would you react in this scenario? If you were in junior high, would you be my Ellie, who I've heard nothing from all day? And she's like, "Eh, sweet, we got this. It's not going to be a problem. I'm not worried. Or my Katie, who is real, real, real scared. I'd probably be more like Katie. Um, My mom works for our high school, and so, like, anytime growing up there was anything, I was, like, on it with my mom. Like, I remember not in junior high, but in high school we had a bomb scare, and I had to, like, go through all, like, the different scenarios with my mother to, like, feel safe because she was like, well, you're still going to school because it's just a scare. Um, So, like, for me feel safe, like, I needed that security blanket of, like, okay, what do I do in this scenario? Because when I grew up, though, we didn't have any of the drills. So, like, it was all new to us. Yeah. So, circling back to your mom, you grew up in the suburbs, Mm -hmm. south side. Are you a Sox fan? I don't like baseball. Yeah, not a sports girl. Yeah, it's fine. Um, So, in your house, who did you grow up with? So it was my mom, my dad, and then I'm the oldest of four. And then my grandma was, my maternal grandmother babysat us. So she was always over. So she's a big part of the family, too. I love that. You're the oldest of four. Mm -hmm. Um, And so do you put a lot of stock in birth order? I do and I don't. Um, I also think there has to do something with the timing of people who were born. So I'm the firstborn, but my brother and I are only a year and two weeks apart. Okay. So he's not a typical middle child, and okay. I'm not the typical firstborn because we were raised almost like twins. A lot of the milestones we hit at the same time because of how we were raised. Okay. So are you a leader? Do you like rules? Oh, yes. Okay, yes. so that's typical firstborn. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the other two are, is the third a middle and the last a baby typical? Yeah, um, my third, Andrew, is definitely the more the peacemaker. He is very people-pleasing, just very, like, stay out of the way, get his stuff done. And then my sister, Katie, is the total baby archetype, like the gets what she wants, a little bit stunted socially because she just wants to be that baby forever, and she owns it. And how old are you? I'm 26. And so how old are all of they, them? Oh, gosh. Oh, here we go. Um, so Matthew's 25. Andrew's 21, and Katie is turning 20 here in two weeks. So two of them still in college? Yes. And are any of the rest of them in ministry or in servanthood, like, in a role like that? No, my brother's going to be a police officer, Matthew. He's just starting to go to the police academy here in a couple of weeks. And then the others are um, going to be a physics, like he wants to work in a think tank somewhere Mm -hmm. and do his thing. And then my sister wants to be a history teacher and coach lacrosse. Okay, super fun. Mm -hmm. Um, And how did your parents meet? They met at church. My dad was the PK, and so when my grandpa started working, my mom saw him and was like, yep, that's the one. At what age? Oh, high school, I think. So they're high school sweethearts. Oh, yes. And how long have they been married? Oh, 27 years now, I think. I'm sure my mom's going to correct me when she listens, but I think they're around 27, 28 years now. Yeah, that's amazing. And what was their communication style like? Did they um, argue in front of you and make up in front of you? Did they, was it a very, 
loud emotional or quiet and subdued or how is that handled it mattered on the topic um my dad can get really angry really fast and that definitely was shown in front of us but they also did make sure to like make up in front of us and especially um once my dad hit 50 he had like a midlife crisis about how he handles his anger and really um did more like loving acts out front in front of all of us um so that was cool to see, like, that shift in his, how he react, responded and reacted. And why did that happen? My grandpa died in his 50s. And okay. so um, when my dad hit 50, he just was like, this is it. This is my last decade on earth kind of a scenario. And so he just really changed in how he wanted to live the rest of his life. And did this through therapy or just did this all on his own? On his own. I think my mom was a big influence on how mm -hmm. he talked things out. But that definitely was his own realization. And my mom agreed. And they've just been made really intentional about how they spend their time together. That's so great. Yeah, so really like a really great model in front mm -hmm. of you. Would you say you're an introvert or an extrovert? Oh, I'm an extrovert. Extrovert. Oh, yes. So just to clarify, you get fueled up by being with people. Because I think sometimes people think an introvert isn't social, but they could be really social. They just get fueled mm -hmm. up by being solitary. Right. So you get fueled up by being amongst a crowd. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Same here, sister. <laughs> I remember being sophomore year in college and this girl, Carrie Davison, shout out to her, Greta Beck now. And she goes, I'm going to go for a walk by the lake. I went to Carthage College in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Oh, sure. CBTL, cooler by the lake. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll get my shoes and I'll come with you. And she was like, oh, oh no, 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 no. I just want to go by myself. And I seriously was like, what? Why would you choose to go and be by yourself? And so then I was like, I should want to do that. I should want to go be by myself. But then every time I would do it, people would be like, well, we're going to go to the calf after that. And I'd be like, well, I don't want to be alone for that long. I don't want to have a controlled situation here. I so get fueled up by being by people. Yeah, so college and dorm life was good for you. Oh, yes. Did the sorority thing, had to be in charge of all the sisterhood events, loved it. I just wanted to be surrounded by people all the time. Yeah, like it just makes me happier. When Brett and I first got married, he I called in sick. I don't know if I was really sick. Um, but I watched like Lifetime movies all day and I was alone all day. And he came home to a hot mess. Like I had questioned everything by the time he came home. And he was just like whoa, 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 what happened? Like, I left in the morning, and I was like, I should not be left alone. <laughs> this is not a good situation. Um, yeah, so that's funny. Okay, um, who was your first crush? Elvis Presley. Celebrity crush, oh, we're yes. going. Okay, nobody in real life? Elementary, oh, junior high? It was Elvis high? Presley. I had a cutout of him in my bedroom. Really? I had all the Barbie dolls, watched his movies. Not I was the obsessed. right generation for you. Um, we went to Tennessee and we went to Graceland when I was in preschool and we did the whole like Graceland tour and I just started falling in love with this man and like I was convinced for the longest time I would marry an Elvis impersonator. Like just loved Elvis. Huh. Well, what no a other curious man little event. <laughs> yeah. Know, right? Well, Lilo and Stitch came out when I was young. So like that like brought Elvis back into uh -huh. the picture. Yeah. Um, when was your first friendship in uh, like elementary, junior high that you were like, this is a real person for me? Yeah. Um, I think really it happened in middle school for me. Uh, I had like a very like coming to Jesus moment where I was like, these people that I've been hanging out because they happen to live next to me are just not the same values that I have and like cut them all off. Like 
Like, it was very unhealthy, actually, looking back at it. But, like, just restarted all my friendships. And, like, people that had the same values but live in different parts of towns. I just didn't really know them as well. And, like, they're still the people I check into from high school and stuff. Just definitely value-based friendship instead. So, junior high, high school, Mm -hmm. great experiences. You would say positive. Oh, yeah. And then where did you go to college? I went to Capital University in Columbus, Ohio. And that is what? Small liberal arts? Small liberal arts, ELCA school. Yeah. Yeah. So similar to Carthage. Oh, yes. Like under Mm 3,000. Yep. Yep. And then you were there and you were like, I want to go to seminary. I actually decided to go to seminary first in uh, eighth grade. And the Trinity Seminary is right across the street from Capitol. So I was like, look, they have a college next door. I'll just go there. But the seminary came first. Wow. Mm -hmm. So four years for your bachelor's. Yes. And then you go to seminary and you're there for how long? I did a two-year, but I had the gap year in Rwanda in between, but then I did my two-year master's program. All right, well, let's just dig in right there. Yeah. Talk about Rwanda. Yeah, I have um, a love-hate relationship with my year in Rwanda, mostly love, but still processing some things I saw um, and stories that I was witness to, um, especially with the 25th anniversary of the genocide. A lot of those stories have been coming up this year in my head. Um, and it was really tough and I had a hard time there and got really sick for a long time and it was really hard to come back to the States after that year. Physically sick. Yeah, I had stomach issues which led to some like emotional mental stuff. I had a lot of anxiety around food by the end of the year. Because of what you had to eat there didn't sit well with you? It just didn't sit well with me and then, um... Just seeing sometimes the poverty rate was really hard to be like, well, I'm taking food away from these people. Um, And it played out in my host family. In Rwandan culture, if you are a little bit more affluent, you take care of your neighbors. And so my host family would have kids come over to feed them for dinners and they would eat last. So in my eating, how much I took determined how much they got to eat after. So I started to limit my food so that other people could eat more. And that just became a really bad cycle with the food anxiety that was also present. I'm just because being sick you all weren't feeling well. Mm-hmm. So like how many kids are we talking? Three or four most nights. And every night. And those, the parents of those kids are where? Um, probably at their house eating what they could. So, um, yeah, it, it was taking care of the children of the neighbors. So you're at a host family and you're there with a church? Yes. And so then you're doing what when you go to the church? I um, went with Pastor Evangeline, who was the first Rwandan woman to be a pastor, the second female pastor in the Lutheran Church of Rwanda. And we just went on home visits nonstop. And so I would like sit there as they awkwardly prayed in King Rwanda and I barely understood. But then we would also sing songs and they would show me their house and their animals. And that's a lot of what I did. And I hung out with the kids and the kids choir and they taught me songs and I taught them songs. And how many people went to that church? Um, It was growing. So by the end of my year, every Sunday, we would see around maybe 40 people in this half-built church, and it was super great. So tiny. Tiny, Were there other churches or other denominations that were serving people, or is Christianity a kind of a minority there? Um, Christianity is definitely the majority in Rwanda. it's, it's funky um, with Christianity and the relationship because the church was complicit in the genocide. And so there's a lot of mixed feelings. So back up there. Yeah. So 25 years ago, mm-hmm. I watched Hotel Rwanda. So that is where I'm basing all of my knowledge sure. about the genocide from. 
And so there are two ethnicities, correct me if I'm wrong, Yes. within Rwanda. Mm-hmm. And one ethnicity within Rwanda looked down upon the other ethnicity and wanted to get rid of all those people by killing them? Well, um, the European colonialism had a big part of there and how they treated the Hutus versus how they treated the Tutsis. So then there was um, inner tribalism and also like how capital or um, how the colonialists divided up the countries was not based on ethnic and tribal. They just did it based on the land they grabbed. So you're placing different tribes in the same country when they're not supposed to be the same. So and there's the a colonial whole... people were English, British? No, it was, oh gosh, here we go. Um, the French had a big thing to do with it, and so did Denmark, I want to say, but I could be that wrong. That seems so not Denmarkian. Hmm, well. Interesting. Oh, look at me, ignorant mm-hmm. about the Danes. Um, so you were there. It was a year. It was a big year. Yeah. And so then you return, and you finish your second year in seminary. So I, I did college, Rwanda, and then I did my full seminary degree. Got it. And what were your, aha, big moments in seminary where you went, wow, mind exploded. Germany, I thought this. Germany and Belgium. Germany thank and Belgium. Like, thank oh, you, gosh. producer Pastor Brian. Thank you for that Google. <laughs> um, yeah, my two big aha moments. One happened in my New Testament class. Um, our professor, Dr. Mark Allen Powell, shout out to him, said something along the lines of, well, of course, Jesus grew and lived in a place where he believed in demons and ghosts. And like that was so mind boggling to me um, about how much of my faith was based off of the Western culture and imperialism versus like what actually was scriptural and what Jesus might have believed. And also what I witnessed in Rwanda, which is a little bit more the culture is more accepting of like demonology and that's based in the religion there. And so like it just opened up this whole like what if question about like what could happen if we saw ghosts and demons like Jesus did. And like how does that influence our faith? Ghosts, a.k.a. angels? So angels are not human. Okay. They're um, spiritual beings created by God in the heavens. So ghosts as in like our souls, yeah. And so do you believe in ghosts? I do. Oh my gosh, I don't even know what to do with this. Like, (laughs) legit. Yeah, I have like... Please defend yourself here. Yeah, Um, okay. (laughs) So I do because of actual life experiences. So when I was three years old, I don't remember this, but this is what my family told me. I was able to describe my dead grandpa in detail down to the suit they buried him in. And when my other grandfather was dying and seeing things, he also described my grandpa in the same exact way. And so, like, ever since then, I was like, all right, ghosts are real. And, like, I have just lived that way. And, like, I dig up and I watch so much about, like, the scientificness behind ghosts and, like, ghost hunting. I think it's fascinating. I don't want to be disrespectful, and that's an interesting opinion and fascinating experience. I don't think I am on the same page at all that's as you. That's fine. I have Jesus on my side. Yeah, a little cynicism <laughs> over here on my side of the corner. Yeah. yeah. No, it's good. It's good to be cynical, too. Yeah. So do you think you were describing your grandpa, since you're basing all of your, like, I believe in ghosts from that experience, maybe from a memory or from a picture that you were exposed to that you're not aware that you were exposed to? I mean, totally possible. Again, like, um, but, like... I just have had other experiences where I'm like, okay, here we are. There's some, like, things going on here. So a presence. Mm-hmm. 
like you're feeling a presence in these other situations? Um, so I based off scientific, like scientific when quotes, um, like EKJ, EKG readers, like and how electronic force fields can be influenced by ghosts. And so they've done studies when people die in hospitals and how like when their spirit leaves, like these EKG meters go off and all this stuff. Like it's fascinating. So like the spirit leaves mm-hmm. and they're saying they can measure that. Right. And then it goes into the physics of it all. Like energy cannot be created or destroyed. So what happens to that energy of the spirit? And, you know, we believe it goes to heaven, but then can people from heaven come down and all this stuff? Hmm. Yeah. Well, we'll leave it there. Yeah. Um, how do you perceive your prayer life? I perceive it right now as a little unnurtured. This first year and being a new mom has really kicked my my prayer life off kilter. But you normally it's very creative and artistic. Um, yeah. And I do like a lot of splatter painting and journaling with color to do my prayers. It's very um, artistically based usually. Um, I'm circling back. Yeah. You gave us your one aha about ghosts. What was your, um, oh, oh sure. and New Testament Jesus and what would be your second aha? Um, my second aha was um, Dr. Truly Faith Parker's work with children and the Bible and um, specifically looking for children within biblical stories. And that really made me reread scripture in a really profound way of looking for the child and the child's experience in this scripture. And um, it really opened up my eyes to how much we sanitized faith for children and for ourselves and like digging into that experience more. Um, So when I read the scripture, it just really opens up the world to me a little bit more. Give me an example of the sanitizing. Of sanitizing? Yeah. Um, In the Elijah and Elisha cycle, which are the prophets of the Old Testament, we have like some really horrific stories of children. at one point, the children are calling the prophet, you know, this bald man, and he sends the she-bear and kills them all. And that's not a typical story we find in story Bibles for children or in Sunday school lessons, but it's there, and it's an experience. And so it makes you wonder how much we protect children from faith and um, sanitize it all versus what are they really experiencing? Because there are children who do get hurt, and they get hurt by these religious leaders. And so maybe that story could be a comfort of them, that God saw them get hurt and remembered. And we have these stories today because those stories were important too. And so it really um, made me refocus from like all the positiveness of faith and dwell in sometimes the not so positive parts of our lives and where God is in that. And how would you look at the Old Testament and New Testament Bible? Would you say they are stories Um, and fables for the time, or do you read it more literally? I um, read it for the gospel within the gospel, which means that whether or not they really happened or it is a story, there's truth there for us to read. Um, And I don't think it matters if it really happened or not. That's, you know, we can question and go back and forth, and I do in my, you know, intellectual life, but the Holy Spirit's there, um, and God's word is there and God's truth is there. And so where is that in the stories? It tends to be more my focus when I'm reading. Yeah, same. 
Um, so you are a new mom. You're yeah. also a, how long have you been married? You're also kind of a newlywed as well, we right? We will be married for two years this June. Yeah, so fun. Um, so what is your um, experience of being a new mom and what is your dream for your little girl, Amelia? Yeah, my experience so far is just being really tired all the time. But she's three months now and it's really fun because she's starting to become more aware of like the world around her. She's just discovered like there's cats in the apartment with her. And so it's fun to watch her watch the cats and seeing like how those brain developments happening. Um, but as far as my dream, I am just so excited to see who she's going to become and be and like nurturing that within her. Um, I'm just really excited to do shared experiences with her, like the first time to the zoo and all that good stuff. And yeah, I'm just watching her become who she is. Um, and how is being a newlywed? What's surprising about being married? What's something that you were like, yeah, this is totally what I bought into? Um, yeah. Well, with the wrench of a new baby, I think our strength has been communication. And even like we're angry at each other because like we're just not sleeping. It's like, I'm sorry, I'm yelling, but I need to say this really loudly because I'm really frustrated, but it's not really about you, but I'm making it about you. Like that was like our argument this morning about who forgot to turn on the coffee maker. Um, so like that's been like a really great part of our relationship from dating that's carried on through marriage. Um, the surprising thing is how messy my husband is because he kept his apartment so clean when we were dating. And it's like he just forgot to do all the things since we've been married, like doing laundry. Like I have to walk him through it every week. So, so roommate complaints. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's fun. Um, so you are our youth group leader here and you've been here for a year. Wait, I have to circle back. You just said that and then I skipped past it. You said it was a wrench. Was she a surprise? Were you? Oh, she was a surprise baby. Yeah. Okay. So we weren't exactly. Um, we were talking about starting when we found out the very next day that we were having her. So it wasn't like a total crazy. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. Yeah. A little bit earlier than expected. Yeah. I wanted a job first, not be interviewing for a job. Yes. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Um, so what is your dream for the kids here, for the youth group here? Have you, um, yeah, um, I've learned so much and I'm really appreciative of how healthy of a foundation our Savior's youth group has. It's really amazing to see. So I guess future dreaming is always, um, in discernment with community. And so I'm really excited that our community discernment is, going where I would like like it to go, so it's nice. Um, and that's involving the parents more and more and making sure that they're connected when the lives of their children and their faith lives. And so I'm really excited to start dreaming what that looks like. No ideas. Um, you know, there's dreams and then there's the practical side of it. Like I could host a weekly parent Bible study over the lesson that we're going to use, but how many parents actually want to spend an hour so we'll see, but it's exciting um, because I firmly, firmly believe that faith formation is best done in the home um, and needs to be done in the home. And so how we can partner in those ways. And give tools. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and where do you see yourself in five years? Yeah, um, hopefully still here if the spirit wants me to remain. Um, but I'm also looking forward to possibly having another child in five years and getting settled into an actual home and not renting an apartment um, and maybe starting a doctorate program in five years. Um, so getting your PhD yeah. to then teach at a college? Um, I would love to give back 
far, far down the road with either college or a seminary with faith formation. But um, if that's not that's what teaching or that's not teaching. That's teaching. That's yeah. teaching. Teaching. Um, and so a PhD program would take how long? It matters how long I do it and how part time it is and if I actually actually ever do it. So we'll see. But it's maybe a dream. You love maybe the academia. Dream, yeah. You love the study of oh, the Bible. Yes. yes. Um, and who would you say is your best friend? Katie Jones is my BFF. And Katie Jones is from where? She's from California. We met at summer camp. We worked together. And she's Amelia's godmother. She was my maid of honor. Where was summer camp? In Santa Cruz, California, or near Santa Cruz. Wait, you grew up in the south suburbs? Yes. And you would go to Santa Cruz, California? For, for summer camp? For when I worked at summer camp. So, yeah, I would do school in Ohio and then see my family for a week and be like, bye, going to California for the rest of summer vacation. Was there a connection with your college? No, I just, they needed um, more people and they sent out an email. And so I applied and just kept going. Did you grow up going to summer camp? I went to Lutherdale in Wisconsin, yep. Every summer, like for a week? At least a week, yeah. And then you went here and you were there for two and a half, three months? Yep. And you were like a cabin leader? I did all kinds of things, but yeah, I was a counselor. I directed the arts and crafts one summer, and I was also in charge of our high school junior counselors one summer, so helping them like be miniature um, counselors. Well, that's really fun. Yeah. And so you met Katie Jones? Katie? Oh, Katie Jones. Katie Jones. Yes. You met Katie Jones there, and she was a counselor? Yep. Yep, and now she still lives in California. She still does, yeah. Yeah, that's hard to not do life with people always that you love. Oh, yes. Um, we try to see each other at least once a year. Um, we go back and forth who comes out Midwest and who goes that way. And is she married? She's going to be married this summer. So you'll be going there. Oh, we'll be going to Mexico for her destination wedding. Okay, super fun. Yeah. And what do you love most about her? Um, Katie and I are so very similar, but so very different at the same time. And it's so fun to like, see like when we are just thinking the same way and we can communicate with a look because we're like, oh my goodness, like here we go again. And then also like totally wildly different people uh, who have different backgrounds and different ways of looking at the world. And so it's really fun to um, explore that communication with her. Super fun. Um, And tell us a little bit, how would you describe your husband and your guys' communication style? Loud. We're very loud, very dramatic people. And so it just is like two, like, actors on a stage together talking all the time. And we're usually trying to, like, outwit the other person. And so we'll have, like, um, jokes going back and forth. And it's just really fun. Yeah. You guys are both very intellectual. Yeah, we are. And we have a shared um, background with our undergrad and... What is your favorite TV shows together? We watch a lot of Adventure Time, which is a cartoon that just ended, but it's very fable, mythos-based, and it's fun to watch. Um, we also watch Game of Thrones, and Reno, um, yeah, Game of Thrones is a big one we watch. Bob's Burgers. So a lot of um, intellectually-based cartoons, too. Hmm, I don't know if I watch any. Have you ever watched The Simpsons? Yeah, yeah. I think I've seen one episode my whole life, and that's been on for, like, 57 years, I think. <laughs> right. Yeah. But you like that. We, yeah, we enjoy adult cartoons and things like that. Yeah. Sarcastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is yeah. usually the thread in that. Um, what else can I ask you, Miss Stephanie? How many times have you been in love? How many times have I been in love? Um, I think maybe twice. 
And how old were you when you first fell in love? In high school. And how long were you with him? Oh, gosh. On and off, but for about four years. Really long time. Yeah. And so then you broke up when you went to college? No. Um, so I met this guy, and he lived in Michigan when we were in high school, but we went to the same college at the end of it. So you went away to the same place. We met at pre-seminary camp, yeah. Pre-seminary camp. Never oh, even yes. heard of such a thing. So oh, what's seminary that? Seminary Sampler. It's through Trinity Seminary. Um, and we went for like three weeks and we got to take seminary classes while we were there. This is all high schoolers. Oh, yeah. I did seminary sampler too in Ohio. Huh. Yeah. I wonder if Glenn Three has done seminary sampler. No, I've never even... He hasn't. Okay. That's such a four, like you're really thinking, I am doing this. Oh, yeah. Since eighth grade, it was all well, I And wanted. what happened in eighth grade? Um, I went to a job fair at my junior high, and so I went through all the tables and looked at all what the things. What junior high is a job fair? It was to help us, like, f- future plan, like, through high school. Huh. Yeah. Um, and my mom asked me when I got home, like, well, what did you think? Did you see anything you wanted to do? And I was like... No, I think I'm going to work for the church. Yeah. And we have a family background of pastors and deacons and all that good stuff. So it fit into um, the family profession in a lot of ways, too. The history. And your mom did what? My mom's a teacher. And your dad? My dad is an accountant. And he does something now with computers and hospitals with the accounting team. But he's not an accountant. I don't understand. He's gifted in other ways than I am. Yeah. 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 Um, and what is your strongest memory from your formative years? Like going through elementary, junior high, high school, is it positive? Is it negative? What's a really strong memory that stands out that you feel like is defining of you? Yeah. I remember we did a lot of family vacations growing up. And I think the one that like stands out to me was the one that we crammed all of us in a car, including my grandma and drove out to South Dakota to see all the sites out there. And it was miserable because we were in a van together, all six of us plus my grandma, so that's seven. And we shared, like, hotel rooms along the way. But it was so much fun at the same time and just very, like, laid back and just we had a lot of good times doing nothing at the same time. So it wasn't comfortable, but it was great. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that was most of our family vacations. Not comfortable, but great. Mm -hmm. What was another one? Oh, my gosh. We went to Ohio a lot growing up. I had an aunt and uncle who lived out there. And so just that six-hour, seven-hour trip back and forth, two times or three times a year, just miserable. Like, I have so many stories of us getting stuck in traffic on the same highway. But it was so much fun, and I wouldn't trade it for the world. Yeah, and you guys are super close still, your siblings. Yeah, we're still close. Like, we all come back home when we can, and... We stay up for hours playing board games and stuff. Like, we love each other a lot. That's so awesome. How yeah. many kids do you think you want to have? Um, practically two. And practically, I loved growing up in a big family. Yeah. So it was nice. And I think sometimes that's what I want. And then I look at the bills, and I'm like, no, you can't afford that. But, yeah. How many siblings does your husband have? He was one of two. Okay. So, yeah. He, yeah He's he more on the, the only child team right now. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. Well, that's a very different experience. Yes. I feel like sometimes only children feel very judged. I always worry about, like, what happens when the parents die and who is your support team. Because when anything happens in our family, like, I have my siblings as my support team. So I always worry that the single child doesn't have that. 
Right. Like, mm-hmm. unless they have cousins. I right. think, like, others, yeah, you can create that in other ways. But, yeah, oh, it is sure. interesting. I sometimes feel like parents of only children, or if you're an only child, I don't know. I think there's some, I don't know, perceived, I don't know if it's right or not or true or not, but I just feel like it's It's sometimes some people think that, yeah. Oh, yeah, the spoiled brat trope of the single well, child. Or just, yeah, I don't know, that mm-hmm. isolated experience. I don't know right. what it is. I don't even, I'm not saying it's there. I just I think it's there in perception for sure, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, well, I've loved having you. Is yeah. there anything else that we should know about Miss Stephanie um, at our church or that you would be like, hey, let me clear this up or let me say this about me in ta-da world? I don't know. Is there? Um, trying to think if there's anything else. I'm such an open book. I feel like I share things all the time with people. Out of one to ten, ten being everything public yeah. and one being like, I don't really want my name out there. Where would you put yourself in that? I probably put myself like at a seven and only a seven because I'm really careful to speak from scars, not wounds. So if something's really fresh happening, I try not to publicly speak about that. Wait, say that again. To speak from scars, not wounds. And a scar is? Something that's happened, but I'm able to process it. So I'm like at a healthy place. So a scar was an owie that healed. Mm -hmm. And so it's healed over and a wound is open. It's open, it's, it's bleeding, it's, yeah, gross. It needs processing still. That's really wise. I think I probably talk about the wounds and the scars. Yeah. Well, and I do talk about the wounds, but it's where do you talk about sure. the wounds. Like, that's not what I share in the youth group. Right. Yeah, because they don't need to hear, they don't need to hear everything in my life. But when I've been able to process it and can talk about it in a healthy way, that's when I can bring it into the room. I think that's really good advice. Oh, yeah. I think it's Pastor Nadia said that. I don't think it's – it's not original to me, but I'm pretty sure Pasta, Pastor Nadia said that. And Pastor Nadia is? Um, pastor Nadia is a ELCA pastor. She's written tons of books. She just closed her time in a church in Colorado. She t- talked at the youth gathering. She's out there, a public figure. Her full name is Nadia Boltzweber. Nadia Boltzweber. Um, who is the person that you read the most that influences you the most on what you – how you perceive your faith. Yeah, I don't know if there's somebody that I read the most. I try to be really careful about reading different voices. So I've been really attracted to womanist theology and Maharista theology um, and a lot of theologians I don't know that Africa. second word you just said. Maharista, it's the uh, Latino and Latin, or Latina experience. So um, where womanist is people of color, women of color, I should say. Um, Maharista is women who are from the Latin region. Background. Um, right. I think that's respectable because like confirmation bias is so confusing mm-hmm. to me. Like I think the way I think, but I certainly find those things to re affirm that I think that way. And I think sure. the other stuff I don't listen to. And so how do I know what I think is what I think? Yeah. And so you're listening to different opinions to make sure that what your opinion is, is being, when was the last time you changed your opinion? Gosh. Um, Probably last week. Um, oh, my gosh. My, I will, like, be really uh, truthful. My, like, ism that I'm really bad with is classism. And I struggle with um, especially the poor white class of America and understanding their stories because it's just a little bit opposite of what I grew up with. But that is, like, my extended family falls into that class and my husband's family does. And so um, – my husband calls me out on my bias all the time. And so that's really helpful to me to like 
be like, oh, I'm thinking that way because I grew up a little bit more affluent than most people around me. Uh, explain more. Um, I just have some like preconceived judgments about like what is considered to be dangerous, especially like a not as well off part of town. I just don't feel safe in. Which isn't true. It's just not as well upkept because they don't have money from these like systematic sin, and so and I'm feeding into that sin from a systems point of view by perceiving that it's dangerous and that I should not be going there, not giving my money to those businesses and all this stuff. So he calls me out on that all the time. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel I'm not certain I know exactly what you're saying, but I feel like. I feel like the white privilege, sometimes people rustle by, but I don't think that's what you're really talking about. But, like, I think sometimes people want to say, like, I don't have white privilege. My life is hard. My life is this. But I think the difference is, is that it never had to do with your skin color. Uh, well, but this I, isn't what you're saying. Well, I, I don't want to say, like, I'm not racist because I've, like, I have been privileged from the being white. Right. Um, But I know that... I am more easily called out on my racism than I am called out on my classism. That's where I get, like, really defensive and, like, be like, no, it's okay. So that's where I need um, more love is in my classism. Yeah, interesting. Well, thank you so much for coming. Yeah, thank you for having me. I really me. appreciate you for being a guest on my podcast, my second guest. Um yeah, I think we have Carly Nasman lined up next week, which oh, is going to be a soon-to-be graduate. Um, I think Pastor Emily's going to come on. Um, and hopefully we'll get some other of you folks to come and share your stories. So thank you for sharing yours. I hope I gave a, a fair and good picture of who you are and who your heart is. And thanks for serving our um, kiddos. Yeah, thank you for having me. As a producer, I will yes, also sir. say that you have over 100 downloads for your first podcast. Yay, which, thanks I mean, for like, listening, I have everybody. Like, I had like tens of listeners for my first podcast. Well, you're being very podcast. kind to have me on yours. No, it's awesome. So I'm happy to be your producer. I'm working on a song, but it's a little hard to rhyme words with Maxim and Marnie. Yeah. What rhymes with what Marnie? If we, what if we focus on Marnie? alliteration? <laughs> what? What if we focus on like just alliteration? Yeah. Maxim and Marnie and Moxie and it matters. Nope. I don't know. I'm just going to cut that. And that's what it's going to be. <laughs> yeah. Oh, multiple countries, though. Multiple countries, over 100 downloads. And, yeah, I'm super proud of you as your producer. So Thank you, producer, Pastor Ryan. Thanks for listening, everybody. I would love to tell your story, so tell me. Oh, and I think Sue Fuhrer in the summertime Solid. is going to come on, which that's going to be really fun because she's an educator and um, has kiddos, and we've been friends since Mops. You should just say if there's a little gap, it's going to be in the month of June. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have a little bit of a lull. I told her not till July. Yeah, because I'm having a baby, but then Yay. because I have to be here when you record, sorry, but... As soon as that's done, or maybe we have your you and your guests out to our patio, and you could hold a baby while you're interviewing. Somebody. Yeah, this can be done, and we're that's another person we're really hoping to get. Mandy is she there open to that um, after she becomes another mama? I, I think she likes you enough that maybe mama she would. Too. She doesn't listen to podcasts, but so so I yeah, that might be just fine. I don't think a lot of people listen to podcasts. Stephanie, do you listen to podcasts? Me and my friends. My friends and I, sorry, grammar. Um, we do listen to a lot of podcasts. Okay. That's like what we do. Who's yeah. your Who's your podcast? We listen to a lot of NPR ones and uh-huh. story based ones. That's like my favorite. My husband listens to like everything though, and then 
because I'm in the car with him, I listen to whatever he's listening to. And that's why I think what you're doing is right. Like people want to hear mm-hmm. those stories that just below the surface uh, that you're not going to get when Stephanie's leading a group session. Right. Like you have to hear below the surface. So you're doing the right thing, Marnie. Yeah, I love it. Thank you so much for being um, vulnerable and open and honest. You know what I think is interesting? Mm. When I was researching uh, Maxim in the name of that, um, you look up vulnerable and you only get the definition for physical vulnerable and it's it's all negative. It's all like you're mm. going to be attacked. You're going to be this. And unless you look up emotional vulnerability, you don't see the strength in that vulnerability. And I think mm-hmm. when people share honest-to-goodness truths about their lives it's so beneficial for the community as a whole oh, yeah. so thanks for being vulnerable in the yeah. in the positive way i i also did another google search and ghosts aren't real so i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> it's fine yeah i'm really gonna spin back to that this is really the only ghost i believe in me. is the holy ghost <laughs> so. it's in the bible guys it's in the bible yeah but don't you think like like a fable no, I think there's real ghosts. Uh, yeah, that's really hard for me to wrap my head you around. You know, Marnie, the the new thing in our family, uh, we're really into this band called King's Kaleidoscope. We just saw him in concert yes. last week. And thrilled, awesome show. But his new album's called Zeal. And that's kind of our word right now in our family is the whole point of the album, the whole point of, of what his mission is, is we dissect way too much of our faith. And I think it's great when you can... Um, you can take Noah's Ark and like, you know, really were there two animals of each kind and did it really flood? I get the historical dissecting of it, but we do it so much that we forget about, you know, the rainbow still appears. And maybe mm-hmm. like that joy that you had as a kid when you realize like God loves me and you leave it at that. That's he, I, I, that's what he's kind of passed on to our family is like, we need more zeal, more joy in our life. And, and I'm the worst offender of this as pastor who has studied, you know, the scriptures. So I want to be like, my thing is like, maybe there are ghosts. <laughs> and, and I don't want to sound critical. Oh, it's yeah. fine. I'll take you ghost hunting and I'll make you believe it. We'll <laughs> find you some There are ghost hunts in ever. Naperville <laughs> that used to be like Pastor Mark Burgetti did that with like a youth auction, I think, oh, sure. where people got to go did on a ghost he? hunt with him. Yeah. I do not remember yeah, this about the Yeah, a haunted tour of Naperville. So yeah, maybe we'll go on a ghost hunt. Okay. Well, no judgment. Love to all. Could be a part of like the high school like scavenger hunt is like go to North Central College where one of the, the rooms are haunted. Yeah. Yeah. True story. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye.